Another very famous man, Willie Nelson, who I had on the show recently, <laughs> who I absolutely loved. And this is what he had to say about you, Mr. Lyon. Do you take a lot of it now? I think some people have more tolerance, you know, for smoking pot than others. And I, I know people can take one hit and just go to sleep completely. And other guys that can smoke a lot. You know, me and Snoop smoke a lot. And in every country we've been in, I guess. Uh, you know, I was in Amsterdam one time, and Snoop called me and wanted me to sing on his record. And I said, okay. He said, where are you? And I said, in Amsterdam. So we caught the next plane and come over. And we recorded a song together. You and Snoop yeah. go to Amsterdam, the, the mecca of dope, really. And you both have a load of it and then write some music together. Now we can go to Colorado. Do it again. All the gin joints in all the towns in all the world. You're listening to Drinks, Jokes, and Storytelling. A martini, shaken, not stirred. Don't try and church it up, son. You can't handle the truth. I am the picture that got small. Your first one's on us. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Drinks, Jokes, and Storytelling. I'm your host, Mark Regadano. With me, as always, Richie Byrne. Richie, it is good to see you. Happy 420, buddy. Happy 420, my friend, you cannabis sore. <laughs> how, how are you today? I'm good. It was a good weekend. Did you have a good weekend? Yes, I did. I, uh, I invibed a little too much. Did I, you? Um, yeah, we had a d- delivery at the house. Look at this puppy. Oh, what yeah, is that? Stateside vodka. Uh, nice distilled right in philadelphia we had it dropped off by uh, nice it was very nice i got a lot of them so (laughs) that's great sounds sounds like a good good thing is that what you're drinking or what do you got there Uh, i forgot to grab my nah you do it look at this the man's ready ready for ready for 420 I was going to have a fake blunt, and I forgot. <laughs> I forgot to grab it. And I also got this one in case I want to switch it up a little. I'm off to a rousing start here with 420. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, I, I, I thought it would be fun if we opened up the show with a little Willie Nelson, some Snoop Dogg. Yeah, um, in honor of 420. Yeah. Two big potheads. Now, I was in a room, a dressing room next to Snoop Dogg. One. Yeah, to, was... yeah. And I have never been that high in my life, brother. And I was getting when when you're getting a contact high through the wall. That's some good shit. I I couldn't even imagine what Willie Nelson and Snoop Dogg would have to smoke. I to... can't imagine what they talk about. Wouldn't you love to be there? Just. Yeah, but I, I wouldn't want to be that high. <laughs> I don't think I think I would I would be do like the Don Jameson with David Lee Roth. I, yeah, I yeah. Just, I would end up walking home. <laughs> I'm just going home, man. <laughs> so it's a good day. It's our Monday. It's we had a great week last week. We had some great yeah. guests. What a great good one guests. coming this week. This wow. week is this week is uh, loaded week. shows. This is a great week. We're doing our Corona Monday. And we're going a little different way. We're, we have, uh, we're going with, uh, we're going to have some nurses on and a doctor. We're not, we're not screwing around today. So yeah. we have some serious stuff to talk about, but we're going to keep it lighthearted because yeah. that is, you know, because it's dope. you and I, how, how scientific can we get? 
right? No, yeah, I know. Really. <laughs> Can we really? get serious? I don't you think. And me. Well, I do work with, you know, a doctor makes me a physician's assistant. So I, I you know, <laughs> I'm, what are I'm you drinking? Coors Light. Coors Light. I'm, I'm trying to keep it mellow because we, we may get, you know, deep into some conversation tonight. So, yeah, you got to tap the Rockies, buddy. So we're, t- <laughs> that's right. <laughs> or Willie Nelson said we can go to Colorado. So, um, speaking of Colorado, did you see that they, there were some, uh, they uh, where people were um, going a little nuts this weekend about getting out. They don't want to be. Is, is that was it in Colorado or was it all over? I saw Minnesota, Michigan. Colorado. There were a few uh, people were going a little crazy, pissed off. You know, they're not in New York, so I guess it's a little different. I mean, he, here, even where you are, I mean, we're afraid to leave the house, man. Yeah. You know? And it's oh. th- what they forget is it's not about them. It's not about them getting sick. It's about well, them yeah, spreading I think it's it. When people say, "Oh, you know what? It's my right." Don't tell. No, no, it's not your right because you know. Oh, people die of a car accident. Yeah, but you're you're not going to give that to me. I yeah. can't catch that from you. You know. Yeah, yeah. That's a, so, I completely agree. It's it's just a selfish whining baby. And and the irony of it is that I, I don't want to get into politics, but know, the, the irony of it is just like how ridiculous it is that you can be that selfish um, yeah. and not care. I mean, did they have kids or grandparents or parents? Did so, they, I mean, have... they have to. They have to. You know. I mean, I, I dude, I just just talked to a buddy of mine before we came on the air, and his wife was sick, and he took her to get tested. And while he was there, they said, well, we'll test you too. And he goes, no, I'm fine. Don't, don't waste the test. And they go, no, we'll do it. They tested him. He's got it. He didn't even know. He, didn't, he, said, he, he said, I feel fine. So he could be out infecting people, you know? Yeah. Because some people it doesn't really carry. Some people it's a death sentence. So it's like right. you right. do it. I mean, with these people, are they the same people like at World War II? When they were asking people to, you know, tighten their belts and recycle the metal and do all that stuff to help the war effort, would they be out there bitching that it's, that, you know? That's why they're the greatest generation, brother. Yeah, our generation is Not the ours. generation of crybabies and diapers. If our generation came up came up with four twenty. <laughs> now, hey, now, I'm staying in. Four twenty is a perfect, perfect coronavirus thing because. All you're going to do is stay inside, stay away from people, avoid people at all costs. That's what I'm doing when I'm when I'm celebrating 420. Get high and eat. <laughs> yeah, I can stay at um, home and eat all day. The other thing I want to talk about is you heard about this small business plan, right? The uh, Paycheck Protection Program, the PPP. PPP. The PPP. Which you, you couldn't, you tried to get, you couldn't get. Yeah, I, I started filling out the paperwork and uh, I didn't get it. Well, they're at it. They, they, the money's gone. Yeah. It was three hundred forty-nine billion dollars. Trump says billion, billion, billion dollars. I love, I love the way he said that in China. China. What they did in China. <laughs> China. The, the China virus. Anyway, but they had three hundred forty-nine billion dollars, and it was for small businesses to pay their employees. And a lot of bigger businesses jumped in on it and took money. And I don't know. I think that's 
that's a shame, you know? I mean, but the bigger businesses are saying, well, we have offshoots, so people still needed the money. But, you you know. Aren't they going to get unemployment? I don't know. You want to hear some of the businesses that did this? Yeah. Yeah. These are businesses we should. No more Shake Shack. Shake Shack, Ruth's Chris. Oh, come on. Ruth's Chris, where you and I did a terrible comedy show one time. Oh, my God. <laughs> I I was so excited to do a show. It was the first time you and I were working together in a long time. I was yeah. so excited, and I it's fucking so- bombed in front of you so hard. <laughs> and I didn't do much better. And, but so these are big names, Shake Shack, Ruth's Chris, and Soul Joel's Comedy Club in Royersford. <laughs> did you get it are you getting unemployment from him that bastard <laughs> come on man i'm right here i'm right here is mr mr richardson is this true are these are are these accusations true it's true it's true but we got denied we got denied baby I, I feel like i'm an employee for you and i haven't seen a dime <laughs> yeah, well, hang in there, buddy. It's not coming either. The check is not in the mail. Your sister's laughing. Joel is now going to turn into the every other booker that's out there, where he's going to say the check's in the mail, and we're going to sit and wait for it. Oh yeah. Well, <laughs> you mean like unemployment? Who everything I do to get will they will not answer the phone? And yeah, every I can't. They're talking about oh no unemployment. We have a whole new system. Yeah, the new system is fuck Richie. That's the new system. <laughs> All right, I'm out. Have a good show, guys. All right, both both sides of the aisle can agree on one thing. Fuck Richie. <laughs> the left, the right, Democrat, they're all coming together. Independent, communists, we all agree on one thing. Hell, even, even the anarchists are in on that one. <laughs> Joel's sister wrote, Joel, your corona haircut looks great. <laughs> So, um, we're going to get started with the show soon. We, but, and we it, have, you know, we're going to talk a little more serious than we normally do. Usually yeah. we have a comic on or whatever. But uh, before we do, uh, I want to talk about we got a little video. We watched one of your shorts the other day. Yeah. I've been doing these. This is an idea I had. Um, and Joel and I came up with, and Joey, we recorded a bunch and we've been putting them out on Facebook and YouTube and, uh, uh, Instagram and whatever the hell it goes out on. And we thought we'd bring one here and it's just a story that I tell about something that happened in my career and there every week we have a different story. And I picked this one because I talk about playing a cop on a show. So let's watch it now, Joe. This is called Dropping Names. We're gonna watch- Reggie Byrne. So I played a cop on Law & Order. I was a uniform cop, and um, uh, it was Criminal Intent, which is the one that nobody watches, which, the one with Vincent D'Onofrio, which, which, which sucks. If I were on SVU, they show that all the time, right? I'd be getting residual checks up, up the yin-yang, right? But no, I get Criminal Intent. I get like 30 cents a year out of Criminal Intent in residual checks. So anyway, I'm playing a cop, and it was the opening of the show, and D'Onofrio and his partner are across the street, there was a murder. It's in a, where, it's in a warehouse, like a, like a place in Queens with all those different, you know, it's like warehouses and stuff. So the whole street is just warehouses. So where, 
we're carting everybody off one side. I'm one of the cops keeping everybody back. And across the street is where all the action is happening. And they're trying to figure out if someone yelled, would you hear it across the street? That's the whole point of the opening of the show. So D'Onofrio goes, I think if someone yelled, you'd hear it. And he turns and from across the street, he yells, hey, any of you guys got the time? And they cut to me and I go, 8.30. That's it. That's my job. I'm done. So all day we're doing it, and D'Onofrio's yelling across the street, any of you guys got donuts? And I'm like so nervous that I'm just, 8.30, no matter what he said. He's like, hey, you want to have sex? 8.30. Like I just kept yelling, 8.30. Um, and at one point he even came over to me, he goes, you know, you can ad lib. <laughs> so the, the night the show's going to air, um, all my buddies, my drinking buddies, we were all going to meet at a bar that we hung out at to watch it. Like, this is the big, big thing. Like, all my, all my drinking buddies were going to watch me on Law & Order. So the night it aired, it snowed. We had a snowstorm, really bad snowstorm. And I was worried they were going to preempt the show because to talk about the snow. All of my friends braved the snow. They show up. They get to the bar, there's snow, every guys are slipping and sliding in the, in the street and everything. Everybody comes in, it's freezing, the bar, they open the bar, the show starts, they do the scene, Denavio says, any of you guys got the time? They cut right to me, I go, 8.30, everybody goes crazy, woo, we do shots, shot, blah, blah, blah. So now the show starts up again, we're all talking, the show starts up again, and all my friends are like, shh. I go, what do you mean? They go, we want to, I go, you want to watch the whole show? They're like, well, we want to watch what else you do. I go, no, that's it. They're like, I came out in the goddamn snow for 830. <laughs> <laughs> Richie Byrne. So that's my cop scene. That, uh, well, yeah. Dude, people think you're a cop all the time. All, all the time. Even... We we did a show where the guy, we don't know how this happened. I think Mike Somerville well, told the story yeah. on the show. Yeah, we. I think he did. We're, me, Mark, and Mike Somerville, a great comic, been a guest on the show. We were doing this gig together, and it was uh, some sort of charity event in Bayonne. <laughs> and Mark had done it before. You'd, you'd worked the show before. Yeah. It's a yearly event, yearly comedy event. And the thing about those things is, Every, whenever you do a show like that, where they do a show once a year, they think they know comedy better than anybody. We're doing shows, 500 shows a year, but you go into that one guy and he does one show a year where he's raising money and he's like, I, I know how to run my show, right? And, and that's what he was doing. So I got there late and I was supposed to headline. You were going to open and Michael was going to middle. And we got there and the guy's like, yeah, no, uh, uh, Mark's gonna Mark's last. You're first. Michael in the middle. Originally, we were all just gonna split the time, split right. the money. Who gives right. a shit, right? And we're like, well, why are you doing it that way? He goes, no, Mark's been here before, so we always put the guy who's been here before last, which is the weirdest. We're like, all right, whatever. And I go, that's not the way we were told the show was gonna go. He goes, my show. I know what I'm doing, right? I know. I. So we start the show, and I'm going first. And- <laughs> He introduces me and he says, this next guy, 
was a cop, a New York City cop. A retired New York City cop, and I bet he got some stories for got us. Some great stories about being a cop. And they play a Y five O when you come out. Y five O. And I go, I've never been a cop except on Law and Order. That's the closest <laughs> I've ever come to being a cop. What an idiot. That was so much fun. So fun. Detective Byrne, you were wonderful. But uh, speaking of people in the civil service, we should... Well, uh, we should. We have some great guests today. And because we have people who are dedicating themselves to helping others during this terrible pandemic, and that's what the cops are doing. That's what the firemen are doing. That's what... Uh, we have two tremendous nurses, uh, old friends of mine, coming out right now. And I'm so happy to have them here. Uh, give it up for Nurse Karen Moskal and Tammy Naroda from Richmond University Medical Center. Come on out, guys. Hi, Tammy. Hi. Hi, Karen. Hey, guys. <laughs> Hi, Karen. <laughs> Karen, Karen you want you want to hit Karen? Right <laughs> here. Uh, How are I, you? Guys, it's so good to see you guys. I got to ask, so when Richie was your test specimen and you guys were... <laughs> I've known Clarence since we're little kids. No way. Our, How do you guys our, all know each other? Karen I... and my parents are like, were inseparable. Karen, Karen's mother and my father grew up across the street from each other. Well, oh, like wow. next door or something. And uh, Karen, I've known Karen since we, pretty much since we're both born, you know? Nice. Um, she's younger than me, but aside from that, and she's, she became a nurse and we, I said, if we're going to talk to nurses, I got to have Karen on because her phone will fuck up and Tammy can answer all the questions. <laughs> I'm going to try. <laughs> <laughs> well, first off, we have to, we want to thank you guys for, you know, everything you're doing. Yeah, you guys are, you know, going out there selfless, uh, braving the front lines of all this. And that's uh, it's really awesome of you guys. Thank you. Now, let me ask you a question before what you got. You were just telling me off the air that you're working 12 hour shifts. Right. Is, and I'm sure what you're seeing and we'll get into that. It, it's got to be so hard and we've already had we've had patients believe it or not on the show uh two 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 of our friends both ended up in the hospital almost died and wow. they talked about how they wouldn't know their doctors or the nurses if they saw them now because you guys are totally dressed in you know hazmat suits it has sure. suit and so that must be so and then you must you have to change every time you go into a new patient i figure right well, that's what you're supposed to do. So yeah, basically we, we're covered from head to toe. Just our eyes are visu visible. That's about it. Right. But because there's such a limited amount of the protective gear, we are wearing the same stuff all day. Yeah. And I have things like I have a whole suit, like a it's like a one piece suit from head to toe. It's a Tyvek suit and um, a gown to go over that. And I take them home. I air them out. I bleach them. I reuse those because we don't have any more. Really? Yeah. Well, have you them. had trouble getting um, the PPEs and all? Have you had trouble getting masks and gloves? 100, 
100% trouble, very difficult, but um, they've been getting a little bit better. But even though we have the, the supplies now, they're not telling us, normally we'd use one mask for one patient. We're using one mask for days. Yeah. I won't, I'll throw it away. After one shift, I wear the same mask for the whole entire shift and I wear another mask over it to protect it. And um, I throw it away. We're not supposed to, we're supposed to use it until it's you know, damaged. But it's damaged after one use with one patient. Yeah, who knows so, what got on it. And they're telling us that we have plenty of masks, but that's just not the truth, is it? It's not the truth. And there's, it's not because we're supposed to be using, like I said, just one for every patient, then it gets thrown away. And if you have to go in the room three times, then you're supposed to be using three masks. We just don't have that luxury anymore. Right. But today, I think uh, I think the mayor was on at, at Rumsey today, and he had a whole truck delivered from like the Brooklyn Navy Yard. They had a whole bunch of supplies. So we'll see. I'm back yeah, to work Wednesday. I'll let hearing, you know. You're hearing stories about, you know, uh, uh, people from China sending over masks, and and who, who you know, the, what's his name, Robert Kraft, the owner of the Patriots, got sent them to New York, and and you and you're like, well, where are they all? Like what? Right. And here's my question. Now we have to wear masks when we go out. This is starting today. Mm -hmm. We have to wear a mask. If you walk into a store, if you walk, you have to wear a mask. Right. And I went out today. I was and I was I was I went for a walk. So and I did I don't have a mask, but I had a scarf. I put the scarf on, I had to go into a store, and everybody's got masks. And everybody's mm -hmm. got like nice masks. And I'm right. like, where'd you get the mask? And why didn't they have it at the hospital? A hundred percent. When I'm outside shopping in a store or something, and I see somebody with an N95 mask, I'm like, ah, where did you get that? Yeah, yeah. it's the weirdest thing. My I, husband said it with this, uh, with the census. Every time you, you know, with this, however many people, oh, you have four people living in your house. You put the census in; they should send you four masks. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great idea. Yeah. <laughs> Because where do you get them? You really can't get them anywhere. Even if you tried to buy them online, there's you know nothing. What? I've been using the census that they send me as a mask. I just take it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever works. Karen's back. Hi, Karen. Oh, now I'm up to foot. I'm up to fourteen thousand steps, guys. That's a good thing. Cal, <laughs> you can't see this, but Carl DeFazio says what's up to you and me. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Hi, Carl. There it is. What's up? I'm there. Carl. So, um, so that's a problem. Uh, definitely a problem. Now, um, is there – how can I put this? I don't, I don't want you to really tell us a sad story, but is there a story that defines a moment since you've been working that defines – everything that you've been through is there something you can think of and what what why what made it different what was it about that moment that made it different is there a patient that you thought was going to die that lived do you have any anything like that me personally not with the patients um the, my defining moment is, is what, what we were just speaking about the the pro, the protective wear when we've been taught to use the stuff and throw it away each time and they are telling us now everything we learned is out the window, we have to reuse it. So the germs, the bacteria, the virus that's on that mask that you were just in with this patient yeah. and now you're going to see another patient, right. you're taking it with them, with you to see them. So that's like a defining moment for me that this is not anything that anybody could have prepared for. We're not prepared for this. And it just boggles my mind 
that this is how we're living now. It's like a bad science nurse, fiction crazy. movie. Yeah. Say again? It's like it's a like bad science fiction movie. movie. Right, right. And you, um, t tell a little bit, because Karen told me in pre-interview, but how, what you guys go through do you, to clean up, like when you go home. Oh you, my God. <laughs> well, my routine's a bit much. I come in through my garage. I take everything off. I take my all my my stuff that I bring home with me in my bag. Remember, I told you the Tyvek. Neighbors now, love it. And I take that. I take every single thing off, and I run through my house with nothing, and I throw it in the washing machine. My really? family knows. I'll keep all the lights off while I'm running through then, the house. And then you jump right in the shower. Jump right in the shower. Yeah, got to keep the dogs off me. It's really sad. It's it's really. Oh yeah, that must be hard. The yeah, dog. we have to lock the dogs outside because they just want to come and say hi to me. I've been gone out of the house for 13 hours, so it's not easy. Oh yeah. Yeah, thank God you have a garage, because I've been doing it on the front porch. Uh, you know, I wasn't using it at first. I was doing this on the front porch, and then I was like, maybe I should open the garage. <laughs> the neighbors I, were so excited. They were I'm like, telling you. I do we that need more day. nurses in this neighborhood. Well, I do that. My neighbor's like, how long have you been a nurse? And I'm like, I'm not a nurse. <laughs> <laughs> Richie's a naughty nurse. I've seen his movies. Yeah. <laughs> what, what do you think? What do you wish? And you probably have answered this. What do you wish people knew? And I, I think you're going to say that that it, that we're, you're, there's not as much mass as, as they say. But uh, I wish they, they, you want, I wish I they really knew that this is not a joke. This is real. People are literally dying, yeah. and people think that it's just this respiratory illness, but it's not. It could affect your liver, your kidneys, your yeah. blood. You could cause blood clots. It could cause blood clots, which is now giving you a heart attack. It can cause you to go, you know, it affects your brain. So then you go crazy. There's so many things, but people, yeah. don't, I really feel that people are not believing that this is really true. You wouldn't believe it unless you saw it. If you've seen the patients that we see every day in the hospital, you would never, you would wear a mask. And yeah. you wouldn't be protesting these idiots that are protesting. They yeah. wouldn't be doing it. I couldn't. I have, a, I have a quick question. And uh, I, I don't know how true it is. And maybe you can help with this. Um, I have heard that it was uh, people get it and then it stays in their system and then it resurfaces later. Is that true or is that a scary? You know, it might be true. It might be true. It's very funny that you asked that because the other day I had a patient and he came for something not COVID, not coronavirus. He had an infection where he needed antibiotics for in his hands. So, um, but he had tested positive a month ago. So he was COVID positive. So now I asked the doctor, I'm like, do we treat him as positive? Do we put him in an isolation room? What should we do? I think we should re-swab him. The doctor's like, I don't know. He could have antibodies. He could this. Nobody knows. She says, we don't know at this time. So now a month later, the patient is not has no more symptoms. We re-swabbed him and he was still positive. Wow. So it's crazy. He said he was so sick. He never was as sick as he was in his whole life to a month ago when he first got sick. He said he was sick for like 10 days and then never had any symptoms. And he's still positive. Still positive. So it's crazy. Oh we just God. don't know enough about it. Yeah, we really don't. We don't. We really don't. So that's why it's so important to stay home, stay away, just stay in the house, and let the scientists figure everything out. Like get. Are, are you seeing on a vaccine or something? Less people in the hospitals. Uh, has it no. lightened up? No. The the hospitals. One person leaves, more come. They're putting us over the amount of patients that we normally take care of, and there's 
not enough staff and the staff is getting sick. So there's not, not enough staff to begin with. And now staff is dropping like flies and now we have to fill in the gaps and take care of more patients. It's really, well, I know I should Mark, cycle. Mark's wanting to go in and save the day, right, Mark? Yeah, yeah. I, I don't need a mask though. I have this mustache yeah. that can just cover everything. Um, <laughs> there she is. That that's my mother there. Where is Karen? How <laughs> <laughs> much she cares about me being on the show? Where's Karen? <laughs> hi, hi, Karen. Hi, Brenda. Oh, thank Brenda, you. Thank hey, you for you do, Brenda. Thank you. That's oh, right. Oh. Brenda's no joke. <laughs> yeah, none of you. I mean. I'm sorry, Karen, that this didn't work out, but Tammy, you did a great job. Yeah, Karen, we'll get you back out. We'll have you back um, on. We just couldn't get Karen's phone to really work here. But uh, I thank you guys so much for what you're, you're doing. Welcome. Stay healthy, stay safe, stay positive. Yeah, yeah, stay positive, and hopefully, we'll get to the other side of this sooner than later. I hope so. All right. We'd love to have you back you on. So Give us an update. Okay. Yes. Yes. Wow. So that was that was great. Um, we have uh, Christine Sellers in the Sellers. Uh, green room. Should we bring her on Let's out? Bring her Let's out. Bring her Let's straight bring her out. out. That'll be. Hi, Christine. Hey. How are you? Hi. Christine is well, a nurse. She's been a yard nurse for 20 years at Bryn Mawr Hospital, right? Mainline Health. Am yeah, I I'm there now. Mm -hmm. And you do testing. Yes. Well, yeah, they're, they're like we're doing like the drive up testing versus, you know. Uh-huh. Uh, Is the there inpatient you, testing. Do you know anything like what what made like do you do they say Christine we want you to go do testing? Do you say hey, uh, I volunteer? Like how does that work? And well, tell us a little bit about the testing cuz I don't know that much about it. <clears throat> Well, the capacity for the testing was a little bit different when it first started because we were bringing patients into the hospital and because we didn't know that much about COVID, which is, you know, even still unknown, they, they would have to close down the rooms and then clean them for like a four to six hour period. And we were losing a quarter to a third of our rooms. And that's just not possible in an ER. So yeah. my good friend, my clinical lead actually came up with the idea of just let's do like a drive-by testing. Um, and they come up to the, the front of the hospital, they call in and they get their information. And then we go out with our goggles and our masks and our, our whole uh, gear and we test them out there. And it's, so, this is a dumb question, but uh, what do no. you even do for the test? Like how is it you swab, swab the inside of their cheek? Goes, no, it's a swab up your nose to like, kind of like your brain. And it's it makes still, their eyes water. It hurts. Still, that's the one they're still using? Yeah. Yeah. That's and it's the same thing as the flu swab. But at the at the time that I started doing it, I was doing a flu swab in each nostril, a corona in each nostril, and then a throat swab. Now it's just one swab. And they can run all of that stuff off of the same swab. But at wow. first we didn't. Yeah, we were sending it to, to like the Department of Health and to Quest, through Quest, so it was different then. Uh, but now it's one and it's simple and it's it's uh, it's pretty easy. But, but it's still the one because Trump talks about it all the time. How he's it's not it it's not pleasant. It's not pleasant. <laughs> it's, it's not pleasant. <laughs> it goes up your nose and then makes a right, and I think that's so funny. If, 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 if I didn't make your eyes water, if I didn't make your eyes water, I didn't do it right. <laughs> oh. Really? 
Really? And I had to I had to swab a cop twice. I felt really bad. I dropped one on the ground. I was like, oops. Sorry. Oh my uh, God. Did he give you a ticket? Like, and then you you're like, remember, yeah, why don't you come in for the. <laughs> but he can't remember my face because I had my mask. Oh, right. and my God. Yeah. He... Yes. So I was safe. Up. Hopefully he's not watching. I, I, hope <laughs> I mean, her coworker had to swab him twice. That was another. Now, are they still only testing people who they think have the symptoms, or is everybody getting tested? You know, the symptoms have changed from that fever for one day and, um, you know, the body aches and the just all of the symptoms that initially were the case are not the case anymore. So if you have like a loss of taste or you have a, one of the symptoms, we're testing, but we're not over testing, if, if that makes sense. We're, we're testing if you have some sort of symptom that just gives us enough leeway to say, ah, we got to rule out COVID. Um, but like, uh, it's, it, they, there's no like, I always thought it had to be a fever, or it had to be this symptom or that symptom. It's not, it's kind of a, if they think you're going to be admitted to the hospital, they're testing you regardless. And it's a, it's right. a quick test because they just need to know what where to put you in the hospital because it, they have floors specific for COVID. And it, is it true, and you may not know this, and I apologize if you don't, is it true that the, each state has a different test? We're not even on the same page as far as the tests go? I don't know that answer. I, uh, I don't know if every state's doing things differently. I know the mandates for what we can do state-wise is different but I don't know about the testing. I just know at this point, our healthcare system is doing a one swab test. And I know that they can do some sort of saliva test now because I think Rutgers came out with some uh, new yeah, that's, testing. Yeah, that's, that's what I heard, that there's like a, it's a much more simple test. Yeah, that, and it's almost like an immediate turnaround. Yeah, yeah. Because I got to tell you, there've been a couple of times where like I'll cough and I'll go, oh, <laughs> And then I heard I heard what the test was, and I'm like, yeah, I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm not like I don't want that test, man. We could get like a circus geek to teach you how to do the nail and the nose, and like, <laughs> yeah. I know. And they're like, hold it in there for ten seconds. I said, I'm seconds? lucky if somebody is not punching me in the Are face. You, I've had to bother. I'm, I'm getting. I've nauseous had to bother to... weave with people. Yeah, oh it's, it's tough. Well, I don't mean to scare anybody, but it's not pleasant. <laughs> I'm, I'm one of those guys who I can't take a needle. Like if I have to give blood or anything, yeah, I, I, I have to turn. Tattoo? Out. What? Do you have no any tattoos? No, no, never. No. My no. grandfather was a tattoo artist. Uh, my great grandfather was, and I, I will never get a tattoo. Really. I, I I like almost vomit when I give blood and I give blood every year and I'm like, oh, I can't look. Somebody else do it. <laughs> <laughs> I laugh because all the guys with like all the tats all over their arms, they come in, they're like, oh, I can't do this. I'm like, dude, you had a needle poking at you for three hours. Yeah. Like, you're good. I'm the guy, <laughs> I swear to God, I'll go to the doctor. And I had a nurse recently, I had to give blood. And I, I like have, to, I go, all right, tell me when you're going to do it. Dude, like I'm like turning my and she goes, Are you kidding me right now? She goes, You're the biggest wimp I've ever I go, I'm the worst, man. So when I started hearing about flobs up in my brain, I was like, Oh, I'm out. I'll just stay home. I'll just stay home. I will not leave. 
We got yeah. a quick shout out. Tim Sullivan's in the house. I know. I don't know what he's saying there, but yes, Tim's in the house. Hi, Tim. He just wants to make sure that the Rutgers get their. Uh, I know. Well, their, he's the Rutgers grad. So, oh, Chris, there you go. Is there anything? The, I know I'm being flippant when I say don't. I can't go for the test. But do you do you think everybody should? Do you think we're at a point? Or do you think it's possible? Is it going to be possible for everyone to be tested? I kind of wish we could. I don't think there's the capability of. Yeah. Uh, there, I don't think there's enough tests to do that, and uh, I don't think um, the healthcare systems, even the Department of Health, and I don't think they want that to be the case. I think people, if you think you have symptoms of Corona, uh, the the COVID, you you just you stay home and you isolate, and you you take your your due diligence of saying I shouldn't go out. I don't want to infect somebody that could be compromised, like the people that are diabetic, hypertensive. Uh, kidney function. Those are your three majors that are getting the sickest and um, and and dying. And so you just have to say, if I have a comorbidity, I should not be out there regardless. If, if I think I have an ache or pain and I just want to like put it off to the fact that I did too much at home, just stay home. Um, as for like the healthcare workers and such, I feel like it might behoove us to do that, to actually test us only because maybe we can be the answer to like fixing the problem. Like, is there some way we can um, help with like a solution? But, but I don't, again, I don't think we have the testing capability at this point, because there's so many unknowns, like your Tammy said, like there's, we wish we knew more. We wish we had more answers. I wish I could say we're hitting the plateau and we're done with this, but we, we just don't have those answers because we don't know enough about the, the these process keeps morphing. So, right. Well, thank you right. so much for coming on, you. and we, uh, yeah, we definitely. Christine, thank you for doing what you're doing. So important, right, Mark? Well, thank you. Yeah, stay, uh, stay out there, stay strong, stay healthy, and uh, yeah, keep positive. And come back and come back when things are better. Yeah. Well, thanks for drawing attention to it. We appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you. You're welcome. Man, great guest. That was another yeah, man. great guest. These are awesome, and we have a big one coming yeah. up. We have a big one. I'm very, I'm very excited about this one. I've known her for a while. She is a ER doctor, and she frequently appears on CNN, Fox News. She's a spokesperson for the American College of Emergency Physicians. Uh, she has a wellness TED Talk, by the way, nice. which we didn't discuss earlier. She uh, writes The Busy Woman's Guide to Health and Sanity for the Huffington Post. And uh, she's the author of the top-selling book, Mom Hacks. We have a little intro for her before we bring her out. Let's, so let's see the, the clip. intro. ER physician, Dr. Daria Long, is joining us now. So MS is when your immune system attacks the linings of our nerves. So it's kind of like going in and stripping off the insulation off of electrical wiring. No, no donuts during the show, Dr. Oz. <laughs> Sleep deprivation, it's a form of torture. Sure. They use this to break people, at which point I learned two things. One is that I would never be a spy because I would have given away nuclear secrets <laughs> to get a nap. So Long like, time ago. <laughs> any CIA, anybody, <laughs> any CIA recruiter watching right now is like, cross her oh, off yeah. the list. All right, Richie, were you the one who took care of the donuts that were on set? <laughs> <laughs> the donuts from the Dr. Odd show. Was that you? They yeah. said, don't touch the That's donuts. Richie goes, ever had donuts. 
set, by the way. <laughs> Richie goes, I'll take care of the donuts, guys. Back up. Uh, well, I'm so up. happy to have her. She couldn't be a better guest, and we're, we're thrilled to have her. Give it up for Dr. Daria Long Gillespie. Give it up. Yeah. Hi. Hi. Daria in the house. Where How are you? Doing? I don't know. Can you see me? The lights no, are can you out. see us? <laughs> I can see you, but I my my image is I'm I'm like that's the CIA we were talking about in that real <laughs> I told you the CIA was looking for me. Hmm. Do you have the camera flap on? You my know wife, what you do? my wife has the camera flap no. on all the computers. But my image down below is frozen on the little thumbnail too. I'm going to try logging out and back in. All right. Let's yeah. stop. Um, I, I didn't know she did a TED talk. We should see if we can find a uh, clip for when we have a follow-up. Yeah, yeah. Show a little clip. She's amazing. That's great. Uh, I, uh, she's amazing. Why we, we haven't had many problems. I know. Today just seems to be, I think it's because of all of the heavy duty traffic of people watching today. Because it's an actually uh, informative episode. There, there she, she is. is. Hi. She's in the Hi. House. How are I'm you? Back. I'm well. Sorry about that. Technical <laughs> difficulties. What? Technical difficulties. Yeah, it would have been very bad if we had to spend the next 15, 20 minutes talking and all the audience got to see was Mark in my face. That would have been <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Y'all are lovely, so you know. So if, you, if you're in the chubby and hairy, yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're an ER doctor. You work in the ER. Yep. And you've seen a lot. Um, what are your biggest concerns right now with this pandemic, with what's going on? You know, Richie, that, uh, my biggest concern when we're thinking about this pandemic is making sure that we are, as we start to reopen the economy, that we are being smart about it. I mean, I get it. I, you know, my own family has small business. People are aching to go back to work, but we have to be be really intelligent. We can't just, you know do this without data. We have to open those places that have the least amount of disease and have hospital capacity and the right, the most important roles. We have to prioritize that. If you don't do that, we're all going to end up rebounding and coming back exactly where we were. Dari, do me a favor. Explain flattening the curve a little bit because we hear it all the time. Everybody mentions and it. Nobody describes what it means. Nobody really okay. understands. So yeah. Yes. And I swear everybody has become like an armchair statistician right now. It's like flattening the curve. And then there's these trends of like, I crush the curve. I'm like, what does that mean? Like, that does not mean what you think it means. It doesn't exist. So flattening the curve means essentially what we were saying is that we're not eradicating the disease. There's no crushing this disease, but that we're taking, say, 10,000 people were going to get sick from it and going to need an ICU. We're spreading those 10,000 people out over six months as opposed to two weeks. So that was the point. The entire point of flattening the curve was saying, here's a number of people who are sick. We've got to keep that underneath our hospital capacity because when that happens, the mortality rate is just under 1%. When we exceed hospital capacity, then we get what we're seeing in Italy, where they're rationing ventilators in really scary situations. That was the point. So you have to know that was the point. It wasn't to eradicate this virus. The virus is still going to be there when we start releasing and lowering the social requirements. Yeah, I, I think that's really interesting what you said, because I think people thought, oh, if we all stay in, the virus will just die. It'll and go that, away. That's <laughs> not really what they were saying. 
No. And it doesn't mean that this was wasted time. So again, part of it was to buy us time as well. So, you know, we said part of the partner flattening care was to keep it under the hospital capacity. Second was buy us time. When this disease first came out, we have never seen this before. We didn't know what treatments were going to work, what kind of ventilator settings were going to work, who was going to get sick. We know so much more now, six weeks later, we can better treat people. Then there's a third thing called the inoculation dose. And that just means that if everybody gets sick all at once and you go to the grocery store and everybody's sick, you have bigger chance, uh, more chance of getting sick in the first place and you'll get more severely ill. If after flattening the curve, we spread that out, you go to the grocery store, one person's sick, maybe two people are sick, you're less likely to be exposed. And if you do get sick, your immune system can probably fight it off better. That's why we flatten the curve. Just people need to know it. It's a really big difference. You can know what to think, expect. I don't think they've made that clear. And that's no, a great If we I all walk in a store and we're all, and, and there's so many people infected, it's going to be worse. But if if there's a smaller amount, it's you could get it, but you're not going to get it to the level. That's what you're saying? Exactly, exactly, Richie. You, you, you can, you should be like a public health expert. You got this. So, uh, well, I am a they, physician assistant. I'm, I'm going to a doctor. Exactly. Um, and there was actually one really cool study. It was a small study. They just looked at people, but they said that if you, there's this one person and they're sick, if you live in the house with them while they're convalescing, you have like a 75% chance of getting sick. But say you run into that person in the store, but you spend less than 15 minutes face to face with them, then your risk of getting sick is less than 5%. So contact, it doesn't mean you were exposed, you're sick. It's actually much more of a continuum and flattening the curve helps that. Interesting. Tell me, tell me about masks. Tell me why it's become even more important now that everybody wear a mask when they go out. Why, yeah. why is that? So we know that this virus is spread in droplets and there, there was this video, it was a study that I saw the other day and they'd actually videoed somebody spit coming out under like UV light. It really makes you rethink like close talking Carl in your office. It's like <laughs> right, right. back up dude. Um, but it actually showed like, when we are close, like we really are sharing air, we're sharing molecules and the virus can be spread on that. So the thought is that when you are wearing a mask and then you decrease the amount of molecules that are going back and forth and those molecules of those water droplets are, can carry the virus. So that's the point of the mask. And thought being, even if it's just a cloth mask, that will help okay. somewhat in decreasing. How much just a simple cloth mask helps? I know, Rich, you mentioned just a scarf. Um, we still need to do more studies on like exactly what these masks should be. But, but the thought is that nothing. they will help. Like, better so, than nothing. Yeah. It is better than nothing. Mm -hmm. Especially Richie's yeah. scarf. <laughs> well, I'm sure Richie looks very dapper in his scarf. I look you it's You're an fancy. I wear an ascot, I wear a top hat. It's amazing. Now, Even so, as a monocle for no reason. But let's talk about <laughs> testing. I've heard that 30%, and I, I've just heard this, and I don't know that it's true, but I've heard that 30% of the tests are false negatives. Is that true? Is it so it, it's probably true. They, they're not releasing the exact accuracy of the tests, which uh, makes it a little bit of a guessing game for those of us trying to practice medicine amidst this pandemic. That but it's probably possible. that, and, and there's so many different tests, but for the virus test, now there's two different kinds of tests. There's a test that say, you are sick right now with coronavirus. That's the virus test. There's probably, it's about 70 to 80% accurate. So yeah about 20 to 30% miss rate. That's different from the antibodies test though, so. 
Just keep them separate. Okay. So, Dr. Dart, how do we get you to explain flattening the curve to the entire country so yeah. we can stop can having you- Facebook fights? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, Mark, if I could solve social media Facebook fights, we would have solved so many things beyond You'd be COVID. queen. You'd be but, queen. Yeah. <laughs> that, that is what I'm trying to do. I realize that there are people have so many questions, and I try to answer as much as I can on CNN and places like that. But I realize that answering questions on Instagram has actually been one of the best ways. So people can post questions to me, and then I answer them either in, in a story or in a video. And you can tell because people will tag somebody, you know, at Jamie Jones, mom, you need to read this. And I'm like, I feel like I just got pulled into an Instagram fight. I feel like I did. <laughs> we so, need to flatten the Twitter curve. That's God. what we need to do. Have I'm you doing know, my best. being in, in the hospital, have you seen, there's been told, we had a friend uh, who was on our show from his hospital bed and he, he was near death and he, he was taking the hydroxy chloroquine and then they switched it to chloroquine and that's what he feels saved his life uh and i've heard other stories about people doing the hydroxychloroquine and the z-pack and do you is there anything i mean is there any real belief in this i mean i know that trump has been pushing it but i know fauci being the scientist that he is is saying we don't have all the facts on this is there anything that they really feel is helping people who are sick. So there are are a number of things that we do think are helping. Hydroxychloroquine is one that might be, remdesivir is another one that might be, they're looking at other antiviral medications and also different ways of using ventilators and using breathing therapies. So there are a number of things. It's just that we're in the middle of many trials. So a lot of physicians, a lot of hospitals are, are trying different medications to see what works. And we're, you know, each of them has promising findings and some of them have questions that we're not entirely sure. We won't know for sure until these trials complete. So otherwise we're getting kind of anecdotal, like your friend saying, yes, this helped. And somebody else saying, no, they didn't get better. We'll know better once we get these trials complete, which is yeah. why I don't want us anchoring on any one drug. Let's right. keep trying all of them. Let's figure out which one works the best. Right, right. Because there's there's no way, we're not going to have an antidote for a, a while, right? There, if, we won't, but we're learning so much every, you know, every day, every week. They're learning about rolling patients over and having them lay on their, you know, prone on their stomach in just different ways. We're learning about how this works. So yes, we don't have, there is no magic button, but I would say that every two to three days, every day, practically, I'm getting reading a new study of some slight discovery or something that's promising. So people really need to know that it's been amazing that we've gone from zero, never having heard of this virus in December, that we're now, I'm looking at my calendar, that's five months ago. I feel like I've aged in dog years. We probably all do. Um, That we're now learning how to treat it and talking about vaccines. That's really fast to to have done that. So it's promising. And uh, one more question, um, because this kind of hits close to home. Uh, the, we have lost, especially three friends, uh, mm-hmm. none of them to the virus, as far as we know. Two of them were uh, had heart issues in the past, and one had an embolism of some sort. Right, Mark? Is that what? Yeah, aneurysm, and I think. Now I'm hearing stories that the heart is affected. I'm hearing stories that people are having strokes. And so are there 
are there more causes of death from the virus than we thought initially? Is that what's so, happening? Yeah, you know, Richie, and I'm I'm really sorry to hear about that. That yeah. that's awful in in any time period. Yeah. Um, I, I think there's sorry. It was strange because I it was all in a week. And I kept saying, oh, my God, none of them died from the virus. But, but now I, I do have it also in my head that I don't think they went to get treatment as soon as they should have yeah. because they were too afraid to go to the hospital. Great, Mark. So, on a super, like, a roundabout way, it is kind of virus-related because I, I'll let the doctor talk because she's yeah. better. <laughs> Mark, you're right. So I was going to make two points. One, it's possible that they may have had COVID. The reality, and, and states are trying to change this. They were The federal government is trying to change this for logging. But up until this point, if someone passed away and their COVID test, say we had drawn a COVID test on them, but it took three to five days, they passed away, the medical certificate was completed, and the COVID test wasn't back yet you wouldn't have been able to write COVID on there. So they would have not associated that death with COVID. So we were definitely, and probably still are, absolutely underestimating deaths that are associated with COVID. But then, so that's the first point. Then to Mark's point, we have seen in the ERs that are, you know, 30 to 50% drop in terms of people who are coming in with heart attacks, appendicitis, stroke, and like and suicide, depression. And I'll tell y'all, our heart attacks don't care whether it's COVID season or not. So what this tells me is that people are staying home and delaying care. We're seeing that people are coming in later, days after their heart attack happened or days after their appendicitis started, which means that they're going to have worse complications and more likely to to pass away even from this. So that's something that really scares me. People need to be seeking care and not delaying care because they are worried about the COVID threat. Absolutely. Thank you so much. You've been so informative. Now, listen to me. Here's the thing. This is normally a comedy show. And we've even had a couple of comments on the side saying, oh, don't waste the comedy. But we want to go out with a bang here. And I want you to tell the story about that woman that you were working on. And yesterday, Mark, listen to the story. I love talking. I can talk to doctors all day. You know, people always come up to when they find out you're an ER doctor, they're like, so what's the weirdest thing you've ever seen? I'm like, dude, you don't want to know what the weirdest thing is I've ever seen. And then I tell them like the third weirdest so I don't gross them out. You're you're too nice of a person. I usually ask what's the weirdest thing you pulled out of somebody's butt. <laughs> you know, in most context, contexts, I shouldn't answer that. On this show, I probably could. But to my earlier she's point, she's coming I, back. She's coming back. I, she, I did use that in Boston. Asked that question as he's bent over in the in the room. But anyway, this isn't the weirdest thing, right? <laughs> as a medical professional, I'm going to advise you to stay in your seat, Mark. Um, so, you know, to the point of delaying care, I just do have to share one anecdote. I lived in Boston for many years, and we used to always joke during a Patriots game, nobody came in. And so the joke was, like, you can't have a heart attack during a Patriots game, which just supposed to show that people will delay care for Tom Brady and COVID. And that's a problem. So, Richie. I know you wanted me to tell you this story and share this story, right? Yes. So this is from back when I was just like a a wee second year resident. And I was, it was my first time on the trauma service. And I was supposed to be running, an elderly woman had come in, um, 
had in a, a car, bad car accident. And so, you know, when there's a trauma like this that comes in, there's one resident, it's their job to go from top to bottom, that their airway is, you know, their, their airway is intact, that they're breathing, that their blood pressure is okay. And that was my job. Everyone else is supposed to be very quiet and listen to me go. My heart was pounding. I was petrified. So I go to this lady and I check her airway. And then I go and I put my stethoscope right here on her chest. And I say, ma'am, take two big breaths. And she says, what? And I said, big breaths, big breaths. And she said, oh, oh honey, they used to be. <laughs> <laughs> that is drinks, jokes, and storytelling. Thank you so much, Daria. Last call. Thanks for listening to Drinks, Jokes, and Storytelling.